0: If you're in a private blockchain between banks where one bank is in a network with other banks, the only people allowed to log into that network are people in specific locations. Then the quantum computer can't get on that network to crack it. It's just the public peer-to-peer decentralized blockchains that have this big target written on them. Now, the other ones can be cracked if they can get on the network. But it's easier to secure the gateways to the network than to secure everything. Once more unto the breach, dear friend. Else, fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Uh, today, we will talk about such things as dreary science and other exciting things like currency exchange. So, stay tuned. Can we talk about ETFs? We will also talk about- NFTs, NFTs. NFTs, ETFs. Non-fungible tokens. Right. So we will talk about other acronyms that other people don't understand, and that should be exciting. But before we do, we have an extra exciting bit of information, and that is our disclosures. Mm. Uh, Number one, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, a radio program. A podcast, but also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Really? Uh, I know. It sounds shocking, doesn't it? Right, it is. Um, The SEC doesn't say, you guys are cool at any point in any of our filings nor do they say, you guys are really horrible at any point in our, our filings. We're more proud about the second part than the first part, but they don't give us any kind of thumbs up because we're registered with them. They're just our regulator. Number two, this uh, we're registered to give investment advice, but we don't do that on the air because in order to give fiduciary investment advice, we have to know you all. And while it has been said that we are our only audience... Um, know thyself is difficult. So um, we can't give advice on the air unless we know all of you. And what's more, we still can't, even if we knew you all, unless we got a document from you all saying it was okay to share the advice with all the rest of you for your specific advice. So uh, we'll get those forms out to you immediately. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, we can. I've got another one. You go ahead. Go ahead. Since we're providing educational information and non-investment advice on this radio program, we need to tell you that the information that we provide is educational information has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And you have no idea how long it took me to be able to say that clearly. Well, you've been saying it clearly for so long, or at least clearly unclearly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And the last bit of information that we should give you, as riveting and interesting as the prior disclosures, is that we don't pay for this radio program. I'm shocked. Ah, it's horrible, horrible. Uh, they don't also pay us for this radio program. We've been doing this radio program since 1996 on KTEM 1400. Um The podcast is a much more recent thing podcast was something you said in horror movies about people whose brains had been taken over uh and now it has to do with um things you stick in your ear and and wander around glazed-eyed listening to something no one else can hear if you would like to email us we can give you exactly how to write it out uh, it, you can email either Jake or Jeff, preferably or both, Right, jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com, as in Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie or The Personal Wealth Coach. That's really what it means. It doesn't, the Tango Papa Whiskey Charlie is just fun to say. Yeah. Yeah. So if you'd like to be part of the program, we actually read those things and do our best to answer the question on the air. Uh, send us an email jeff or jake at tpwc.com um yeah so that that is uh, i think that was all of our disclosures and that kind of leads me to our first question um from john inquisitor john our most faithful questioner uh he uh had a uh, this is his subject line show question legit he has a question on crypto mining he says i don't understand crypto or crypto protection But what's to keep some devious techno geek from using AI and a super high powered computer to crack the crypto blockchain code and steal all the world crypto to become the next real world James Bond villain? Well, in order for that to be all completed, first, they have to have sharks with lasers on their head. That's the first problem with this. Um, There isn't really other problems that's that's just if you're going to be a james bond villain you have to start with the sharks and the lasers all right so what is to keep a devious techno geek from cracking blockchain and this is a tough one Not really. It's actually pretty simple. Right now, it's very, very, very difficult to crack the encryption on the most standard blockchain, Bitcoin. Why? Well, because it's using a hashing method called SHA-256. Oh, well, that that explains everything then. No, it doesn't. It means it's 256 bits of hashed up, garbled stuff. uh, And you need a key in order to know what's garbled because every one, every bit is hashed up in a different way. Let me explain that. What's a bit? A bit is a 0 or a 1. It can be stored in a little envelope called a bit. It's You can only put a 0 or in a 1 in there. If you get eight of those envelopes together, you have a byte. Uh, and that means that you can have either the 0 or the 1 in each of those four envelopes. Okay, that's when you have 256 bits, what does that mean? It means there's 256 envelopes for each bit that only one of those envelopes is the correct answer, or you have to run an algorithm on one of those envelopes to get the correct answer. So that's hard to crack when every bit is using a different encryption key, if you will, a different hashing method that only the person that has the key can figure that out. That's really hard to break using current technology. Even AI, even computer learning, has that just would take 60 years to crack at once. Because it's a hash rather than a normal encryption key. There's only one correct answer. Okay, but that doesn't take away the real threat from the blockchain. And that's quantum computing. So it's not AI and computer learning, but you're on the right track. As soon as we have effective quantum computing, the blockchain's in a lot of trouble. SHA two fifty six is two hundred fifty six bit. When the Bitcoin uh, blockchain started, it was one hundred and twenty eight bit. Now one hundred and twenty eight bit. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm getting uh, the Elder Baldy is calling me in here, so I'm putting him up on the screen. Do uh uh do you do you want to call me on the cell phone? Uh no. okay um you are not muted on my end oh i'm muted on my end yeah there you go um okay he's back so i'm addressing john's question about bitcoin and blockchain i don't know if you could hear me as i was doing this you ace i've been listening to you okay um what is a quantum computer versus a standard digital computer well the digital computer refers to that bit the zero or the one and then where did that come from Let's go back in time a little bit more. Let's go back to the middle of the 1600s and a man named Leibniz, who was a watchmaker in Germany. Germany was a a horde of dukedoms, counties, baronies. It was not a single country and they were constantly at war with each other. So this guy, Leibniz, who was a contemporary of Isaac Newton over in Britain, on the Isle of Britain, Um, Isaac Newton... And Leibniz had been friends for a long time. Leibniz became a member of the Royal Society of England, which is now the UK's Royal Society. But it was basically... A grant making from the crown, pay scientists to do silly research and see what happens. And we had a lot of cool things happen. But in the middle of that, Leibniz is trying to make a living. And being a natural scientist was a little hard and being a watchmaker was very lucrative. Uh, well, he figured out another way to make a living. And that was to write encryption, to make codes so that you could pass messages from one county to another or one grand duchy to another in the middle of this massive war going on. So he made the majority of his money in selling codes to different minor governments. It's kind of interesting. One of the codes he developed was called binary, zero, one. There's binary. There's only one or zero, on or off. And he developed that so that ladies-in-waiting could carry encrypted embroidery across state lines, if you will. They cross-stitched in binary to send codes. So the lady-in-waiting is sewing her embroidery, and it's beautiful, Um, but it's an encryption code. And we used that encryption code later to crack it a different one. Leibniz developed uh, a theoretical uh, thinking machine, uh, basically a encryption generator that had wheels on it that could do math. It was a calculator. And that led him to his greatest encryption device. He made it with three wheels, and it was essentially uncrackable in his time. There was no way anybody could do it. You would have two of these machines, and we know that device— with a fourth wheel and then a fifth wheel as the Enigma machine from World War II. The Nazis used something from the middle of the 1600s to encrypt their radio transmissions in binary, but then encrypted binary. And when Turing developed the first digital computer, he did it to crack that code. He made a thinking machine using binary as the language to crack the Nazi Enigma code. So all of our computing technology is based on using binary, which was developed for cross-stitching. It's not a very efficient method of computing. Quantum computing is like instead of having an on-off button as your only thing that fits in that envelope, a zero or a one, it's like you have a dimmer switch where you can hit all the points between all the way off and all the way on. And that can be infinite. An infinite amount of information or signal can be stored in the same envelope that we're storing either a zero or a one. That causes computing speed to jump forward at such an exponential rate that it's not really calculable. It is, by definition, such a big increase. Now We have to develop it. Right now, our quantum computing is, is running at between 50 and 150 quibits. A quibit is a quantum bit. That means they can hold 150 pieces of data at the max end where we could only hold two a zero or a one. So that means anything that we're using to crack a code today and say it takes 60 years to crack a code if we're doing it this way, just kind of running all the numbers through the system, a quantum computing com- computer could do that in a in a in some fraction of a second. And people go, well, wow, that's amazing. If you think about what we used as encryption during World War II, that took us a great deal of time and effort to crack We had hundreds and hundreds of people working on cracking these codes. A computer today can crack that in such a small amount of time that it's effectively no time. So the danger to the blockchain, this is something we've talked about for a long time, is that the encryption won't keep up with the technology. Now, that's the public available blockchain, the peer-to-peer networks, the ones that are designed for everybody to be able to look at them. If you're in a private blockchain, between banks, where one bank is in a network with other banks, the only people allowed to log into that network are people in specific locations. Then the quantum computer can't get on that network to crack it. It's just the public peer-to-peer decentralized blockchains that have this big target written on them. Now, the other ones can be cracked if they can get on the network, but it's easier to secure the gateways to the network than to secure... Everything is this is why castles have, you know, a portcullis and a drawbridge and a gatehouse and three layers of doors that you have to get through because it's easier to defend the gate than it is. To defend everything. You put a big wall up and then the gate has all of these murder holes and that's how encryption works as well. If you can make it so that they have to physically gain access at one point, you can do some really simple things like where are you calling from as the first layer of defense? Nope, it's not one of the, my approved calling from locations. No, you can't come in. Blockchain on the peer-to-peer network on the 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 shared ledger book has some danger. It has a death date. At some point, when quantum computing exists, the first nefarious person with a really functional quantum computer, which is not going to be a teenager in their basement. These things are difficult to create. Still, it'd be like a teenager making a modern computer from scratch using dirt and rocks. No, that's not going to happen. The way you make a quantum computer today is intense and it costs a lot of money. At some point in the future, it'll be easier to replicate. Uh, but it means that the first nation state that has a quantum computer can control the crypto market, period. Uh, so there is a there is an honest to goodness threat out there on that and it's a recognizable threat to anybody that understands encryption and the difference between digital and quantum computing. That's something that is going to occur at some point. Are you suggesting that somebody actually understands encryption and quantum computing? Uh, at least they understand the theory about it or the concept of it. <laughs> one last wrap up on the whole blockchain encryption thing. I know I'm kicking this dead horse one last time. Um, the way the peer-to-peer shared ledger book blockchains work, the decentralized ones, is they the users have to come to a consensus when they want to change encryption. And when they moved from SHA-128 encryption to SHA-256 encryption, it took them about six months to come to the consensus to do that, which is a long time. The size of the community on that blockchain was about 1% of 1% of what it is today. So the consensus to change to a higher form of encryption uh, might take a lot longer. It might go shorter. We don't know. Uh so there's there's some implicit danger there that the encryption won't keep up with technology because it's it is decentralized. Not completely. There's some there's like eight people that can change major parts of the Bitcoin blockchain just out of whim that were set up at the very beginning. So it's not truly decentralized. There's eight people or eight accounts. And some of those accounts, we're not really sure who holds them anymore because people have died. They may not even exist. They may. So those are some other things that are wrong with that. Uh, And we're about out of time for this hour. We'll talk about it more next hour because it is the biggest thing to talk about right now. And it's not getting that much attention. Um, If you'd like to talk to us off the air... We have voicemail waiting during the weekend, but real live people during the week locally at 254-947-1111. Or you can go toll-free if you still have a landline, (laughs) 1-800-914-PLAN. That's 1-800-914-7526. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can see our made-for-radio faces, our wonderful staff. You can read our philosophy. More importantly, you can read our newsletter or sign up to receive it every Friday by email. Uh, You can listen to our radio programs going back lots of years, uh, podcasts, wherever they're formed. You can email us directly, jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com.